Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We absolutely need the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to move everything that we want to see into fruition. Okay, we need the grace of God. Um, everyone agree with that? Yeah. Okay, good. So then, so we, we need the grace of God. But this is what I've discovered. If you read the Bible, you will discover that God often works His grace through His people. Did you realize that? Whenever God has built anything significant in the Bible, He did it through the hands and feet of His people. See, the more available we are to God with our resources, and what's that? It's our, it's our time, it's our talent, it's our treasure. The more available we are to Him, the bigger and faster He will build His kingdom. That's what we're here to do as a church. So I'm going to read to you uh, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. If you have a Bible, uh, you can just open that right now. Otherwise, we've got it on the screen for you if you don't have one. Let me give you a little bit of context for this scripture so you understand it thoroughly. At this very point, the Apostle Paul is traveling around and visiting different churches and and collecting, putting together a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. The reason the saints needed help is because at this time in history, there was a severe famine in Jerusalem. So they needed food. They were struggling. So the reason I tell you this is that they were the collection, you know, that Paul takes up in this passage is a lot of it is going to be food, not not money. So we don't absolutely know for sure. Most people say, hey, a lot of this was probably food. And there's a really good reason for it. When you are in a famine, food is worth more than money because you can't eat money. Okay, so aren't you glad you came to church today? Like, even for that point alone, that was so good. You're like, wow, I'm really, the revelation is just coming across right now. But you can't eat money. Uh, you can't eat food. Food is more important in a famine. That's most likely what they were collecting. And I'm going to read to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. It's interesting that he says, we want you to know about this grace. We want you to know about what the Macedonians are doing. Now, if this was negative, we'd probably call it gossip. But it's not negative. It's actually very positive. He's saying, hey, the Macedonians have been doing a great job. We want everyone to know about it. We absolutely want you to know about it. Did you know that your giving can create a reputation for you? Not just your giving, but sometimes your lack of giving can create a reputation. How you give will probably create your reputation. It says in verse 2, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and extreme poverty, their extreme poverty have overflowed. The fact that you could have abundance of joy, extreme poverty and overflow all in the same sentence is astounding to me. It says they've overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That's amazing. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, beyond their means of their own accord. Who can do that? It's actually impossible. How can you give beyond your means? You have a means to give, and they gave beyond what they were able to. I think it's, it's, wow, it's almost like God must have been at work in this. In verse 4, it says, they begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Please, 
Let us help. If you could let us give into this offering, we would be, we would be eternally grateful. We would love to contribute to this. You guys are in extreme poverty? Yes, but if, oh, if you would let us give, please, we're begging you, let us contribute to the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but now if you've got a Bible, how many of you got paper Bibles? Raise up your hand if you've got a paper Bible. Okay, good. So the five of you that are here this morning with a paper Bible, I want you to underline this next part in, in your Bible if you have a pen, because this is very important. It says, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Verse six, According, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. And then he says something very important. But as you excel in everything, now he's writing to a church. This church is excelling in everything. Listen to how amazing they are. Kind of reminds me almost of the Western church. They are excelling in faith. They have great faith. They have great speech. They, they, they are eloquent with their words. They can communicate. Great communicators. They know so much. They are so well educated. He says, you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge and in earnestness, which is a big goal of mine every day. Lord, let me be more earnest. I've never prayed that in my life. But anyway, this is what it says. They're good. And then it says, uh, he says, in earnestness. And then he finishes with this. And in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. That act of grace that Paul is referring to is the grace of giving. It's just, just giving. Um, I love technology and I, I love just little cool gadgets, things that work. I, I do. I love it. And uh, like I have all of my credit cards are in my Apple Watch. I actually have left home without my wallet and been fine before because I can just pay for everything through this. I just, I love it. It's cool. Um, you may not share my appreciation for this stuff, but a couple of people do. One of those people is Matt Townend. I remember years ago, we were having a great conversation and I, and I was talking to Matt and I said, you know what would be so cool is if I could get something on my iPad and put it on the television. That would be amazing, right? Or something from my phone and put it on a TV. That would be amazing. Now, the reason none of you are impressed by that is because we live in the future, Okay. But back then, this was remarkable. I said, I'd love to be able to do that. And Matt Townend says to me, they've got something that does that. I said, are you kidding? I said, what is it? And they goes, they call it Apple TV. I said, Apple TV, that's incredible. Where do you buy it? And he knew, I didn't know where to get this stuff from, right? So we had this conversation on, on Sunday at church. It's Monday, I'm heading into my office, right? And so I, I opened the door to my office, which by the way was locked. That's important to know. I'll explain why in a second. I opened my locked office door and in there on my desk is an Apple TV. I couldn't believe it. I said, we were just talking about this yesterday. And then Matt had like a little note there that said, thought you might like this. He was right. I loved it, right? <laughs> and, and so he got it in there. There's a couple points that I want to make out of this. First of all, Matt is responsible for breaking and entering. Okay, so for any of you that think Matt is trustworthy, he broke into my office, right? But he did it for a good reason. Instead of taking something, he gave something and he put it on my desk. And, and this is my point. Giving reveals the heart of the giver. Giving reveals the heart of the giver. Can I add there's a flip side to that? Because the lack of giving also reveals the heart of the giver. You know why? Because it exposes what we value. It exposes what's most important to us. 
And you have three types of resource that I'm going to talk about today. You have time, you have talent, and you have treasure. Every single person in this room has time, talent, and treasure. And depending on how you use those three types of resource, it would be a great revealer to everyone around you about what's truly important in your life. For example, if you are here and you have children, you would understand that your kids understand you value them when you spend time with them. You don't spend any time with your kids. They don't feel like you love them. They don't feel like you value them. So how you spend your time is very important. I think that time is one of your most precious resources. It's something that you can never get back. You sow it once and once it's sown, it's gone. There's nothing that you can do about it. So your time is a precious resource. You don't just have time that's precious. You have talents. So here's what we believe. We believe that God is at work in through His people and He gives us talents and abilities. Now you are able to use, some of them are natural, I'll admit, you know, some people have natural abilities, but we also have God-given talents and abilities. And how you use those talents and abilities will reveal to people what's really important in your heart. You can use your God-given talents and abilities to profit for yourself. You can use them to serve other people, so depending on, how you, depending on how you use your talent ability will show us a lot about what's important to you. You have treasure. When I talk about treasure, I'm talking about your money. I'm talking about your wealth. I'm talking about your income. And depending on how you spend that would be a great revealer to everyone what's most important to you. By the way, if you're not sure what is important to you, download your latest bank statement off the internet, do an audit of yourself, and where most of your money is going would actually be a great revealer to you of what is truly important in your life. It's a great revealer. You know, I used to work in recruitment. That was my job. I actually started working for this church 10 years ago, 10 years ago. So, so this is my coming up, nine and a half years. I'm coming up to my uh, nearly 10 years. And uh, I remember when I was working in recruitment, I went in to see my boss one day and I said to her, I said, I want a pay rise because I deserved one. I was not bad at the job. And so I went in and said, I want a pay rise. She said, look, we've just been acquired by a company. There's no pay rises, freezing all pay rises. I said, fine. Okay, that's not going to happen. I understand. Within the next two weeks, uh, this church offered me a role here to oversee pastoral ministries. So I looked at the role and I looked at what it was uh, going to pay me. I just asked for a pay rise. And what they offered to me was one third of what I was currently earning. And I was interested. And so I looked at the money and I, and I looked at our, our bills and what we could do. And I, I spoke to Sarah, uh, you know, and I said, uh, sweetheart, can we, do you think we can make this work? And she's like, yeah, if we do this and we do that and I'm going to be working, we can make it work, right? And so I said, okay. So I accepted the job, went back in, spoke to my boss and I said, uh, I just wanted you to now know that I am resigning from my role. She said, I'll give you a pay rise. I said, I thought there was a freeze and all pay rises. She's like, that was two weeks ago. You're resigning. Now there's going to be a pay rise. I said, okay. I said, um, she said to me, well, how much do you want? I said, look, this is really difficult, but I'm actually taking less to go. She said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what what you're paying me right now, I'm actually taking a third of that to go and start another job. She looked at me like I, I had two heads, like I had serious problems. She said, what kind of job are you taking? Why are you taking less money? I said, I'm going to work for my church, right? And at that point, she knew she was beat because at the end of the day, money never had my heart. I, money never had my heart. In fact, my heart belonged completely 
to God. And because my heart belonged to God, that made it easier for me to decide what I was going to do with my future. You have to come to a point in your life. And if you're a spiritually mature person, you come to a point where you realize that to start to build things of significance in the kingdom of God, it's going to cost you something. Wow, that was quiet. Nobody shouted and cheered at that. How underwhelming. If you're going to build something significant in the kingdom of God, it's going to cost you something. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your talents. You're going to use it for him instead of for whatever other purpose you might have designated it for. I mean, you can do both, but you're still going to give a portion of your talent to God. You know, when it comes to your money, it's exactly the same. You know, when God's got your heart, you are okay to part with whatever he asks of you because you love him and you trust him and he's got your heart. This is such an important point to learn. Giving is going to cost you something. I know it sounds obvious, but it's important to be said. Paul is talking to the Corinthians in this passage about this exact issue. And listen to what he says to them. He says to them, you guys are so spiritual. You guys are amazing. You guys, right, you excel in faith. You have got so much faith in your heart and it's impressive to all of us. By the way, you don't just excel in your faith, but your speech is so eloquent with your words. You know how to communicate well. You have so many gifted communicators. We're impressed by that, you know. And as he starts to go on, you know, you realize they are excelling in every area. And then he says, by the way, I hope you excel in the gift of giving, just like you do in all the other things. See, when you're a spiritually mature person, you understand that giving is just a part of being a spiritual person as well. I love what Paul's actually doing here. You notice that he is setting up a little bit of healthy competition, right? You understand how he set this up. So he writes to the Corinthians that are doing better than the Macedonians. And he says, guys, I just want you to know about the grace that's come through the Macedonians. Now, as you know, I'm sure that when I come to collect from you, that you're going to be exceedingly generous. I already know that. I understand that. But I felt it necessary to let you know that the poverty-stricken Macedonians have had this thing called overflow and they gave beyond their means. And I'm just letting you know. Now, I know that you are going to be exceedingly generous, Corinthians. I know you're going to do it. You excel in all these areas. You're going to do very well in giving. But should I mention to you that the poverty-stricken Macedonians were able to give beyond their means? I'm sure you guys will do it. Did you know what they did? He's saying, guys, seriously, if they're able to give, you guys better give too. That's his point. That's the whole reason Paul puts this entire thing in the message there. Did you know that giving is a spiritual thing? It's a spiritual thing. Oftentimes we think that there are so many uh, things in, in life, in God, your relationship with God and church, and we say these are spiritual things, but giving, that's just a practical thing. I think it's spiritual. Actually, if you go back to Romans, Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, let me just read something to you. The the heading in my Bible says, gifts of grace, gifts of grace. Okay, so we understand that these gifts of grace, these are what we call ministry gifts, but they're still spiritual in their origin. So we have a list of spiritual gifts in Corinthians, but these are ministry gifts. And I want to ask you if you think that these ministry gifts are spiritual. So if we could do this this morning, can we have a little bit of interaction here? I'm going to ask you, you just confirm to me if you think they're spiritual. You with me? 
Okay, thank you, 10 of you. Now, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, okay, so is prophecy a spiritual gift? Is pro- that's a spiritual thing. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to run through this like a list, all right? What about gifts of service? Would we say that service is a spiritual gift? Okay, we say service is a spiritual gift, okay? To the one who serves. What about to the one who teaches, right? Would we say that teaching and expounding the Word of God and showing it to everybody, would we consider that to be a spiritual thing? Yeah, okay, we would do that too. What about exhortation? Calling people's attention to focus in on God. Would that be a spiritual thing? All right, well, it says contributes, but I'm going to skip that and go to the next one. What about the gift of leadership? Do you think that God appoints leaders as spiritual oversight to carry His kingdom forward? Would we say that that is a spiritual thing? And what about acts of mercy? Would we say that mercy is a spiritual thing as well? That the act of mercy, that you just love on people, you serve them, you love them, you're, you're, you're kind to be. Would we say that that is a spiritual thing? Well, did you notice amongst the list that it says contributes? To the one that contributes in a list of spiritual things, there it is, right there towards the end, contributing to what God is doing on planet Earth with your resource is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. And this is, by the way, how God builds His kingdom. You know, when the, when the Bible talks about giving, it often uses this idea of sowing, sowing, you know, sowing and, and reaping, you know, and this is this idea that the, the scriptures are trying to get us to understand. See, when, when you sow with your resources, you sow your time and you sow your talent and you can sow your treasure and what you sow will grow. If you love McDonald's and you sow into that menu, I mean, buying a Big Mac, right? The company is going to grow because you're sowing into it. See, restaurants are happy to have you sow into them. My point is what you sow into grows. Something think about Maccas right now. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. But the thing is, whatever you sow into, it grows. And I think the Bible is trying to teach us this principle, this timeless principle, that when you sow and something grows, eventually you'll harvest it and you bring it in. And what would we call that when we want to bring it in? We'd call it reaping, all right? In other words, you reap what you sow. How many of you heard that? It's a very easy idea to understand. If you don't like what you're currently reaping, start sowing different seeds. If the harvest that you're bringing in now is something that you don't like, you need to think about what you were sowing yesterday because you're just reaping from on today what you were sowing yesterday. For example, if all your relationships are complicated, maybe you're sowing drama. And that's why everything's complicated around you. And if your relationships aren't good, think, think, wow, what am I sowing? Maybe I need to start sowing different seeds. Maybe I should start to sow grace in my relationships. Maybe sow forgiveness, you know? If your bank account is not looking healthy primarily because you are spending more than you're earning, right? You have a problem there. You are reaping debt because you've been sowing misuse of your funds and now it's cost you something. I had this conversation with my son earlier this week. We were talking about your grades at school. I said, Literally, if you want to get better and have more opportunities in life, start sowing into your uh, brain right now by learning and growing. Start reading, do everything that you can because tomorrow it will begin to pay off. You're going to reap a better harvest in your future if you pay attention to your education today. See, people will sow into what they value. 
And I don't know if you know what you should value, because there's so much you can sow into in life, right? But if you're not sure, you're lucky, because Jesus has prepared a statement for you. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah? So He tells us that if you're a follower of Him, what you should value most is the kingdom of God above all other things. Seek first. That's just a priority statement right there, isn't it? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, these things will be added unto you. There is a harvest from sowing into the kingdom. There is a harvest that you get to bring in when you decide that you're going to build the kingdom. And by the way, on the pathway to building God's kingdom, you should expect there to be bumps along the road. For example, the enemy of your soul, the devil will do everything he can to prevent God's kingdom from being built. So if you understand how this works, the devil is a defeated enemy. It is not equal between God and between him. So when he wants to stop what God wants to do on the earth, the best thing that he can do is attack your faith. Attack your prayer life. Because if he can stop your prayer life and you're not asking God, remember this, God can move through our prayers what we could never move on our own. So if he cuts off your prayer life, then you're not going to access the power of God to shift the impossible problem that's in front of your face. Are you with me so far? So you know what he's going to do? He's going to start to sow things. He'll get a hold of your ear. He starts to sow anything he can to destroy what God wants to build. I've seen this so many times. If he can sow offense, he'll sow it. Because if you're offended, then you're not going to work with the people that are building God's kingdom. He'll sow a, a, a lack of faith into your life if he can. He'll sow that into your world. He will sow whatever he can to destroy what God is wanting to build. And here's something that he'll sow. He'll say, you've got nothing to give. And it's a lie. And the reason we know it's a lie is because the poverty-stricken Macedonians found overflow and an abundance of giving and were able to give beyond their means. And my point to you is if they found abundance, maybe we can too. They're actually poverty-stricken. They've got nothing. And yet they still found a way to be exceedingly generous. I quote, beyond their means of their own accord. Look at their heart. It says they begged, please let us be contributors to the kingdom. If you could let us contribute to the kingdom of God, we would love that. Please let us be part of it. See, they found this thing called overflow. Here's what you need to know. You have overflow. It's just hidden in your lifestyle. Yeah, I didn't expect you to get excited about that. I wrote that line. And as soon as I did, I was like, ouch, that stings. You think I'm preaching to you? I'm preaching to me. Because I think I need to pay attention to this. You do have overflow. You do have margin. You're just hiding what you think you don't have. It's just hidden in your lifestyle somewhere. Let me ask you a question. What are you currently investing into? What are you investing into? Because you do have overflow. It's just hidden from you. And, and here's the truth about this. It'll be a great revelation. You are currently just sowing into what you love most. So it becomes kind of a priority issue. Your overflow goes to what you love most. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you know why I think he said that? Because I think we can often feel like our heart is invested in something, 
put our time, talent, treasure, all our resources in another place. We think our heart's in it, but it's not. Jesus said, if you want to find where your heart is, it's probably easier to track down your treasure. Yeah. Track down your treasure and then be assured that your heart is found in the same place. So you, if you say something's important, then shouldn't your time, your talent and your treasure equally match what you value? But it doesn't always work that way. I think this is the point that Jesus is trying to make. Let me ask you a question. Where does your overflow go? Where's it going? If you've got an overflow of time, where's it going? You know, I actually did something earlier. I think it was maybe last week. I found this feature on my iPhone that allows me to set how much social media I read each day. So you can set a limit on, on your phone. When you get to that limit, so you can set it. I set it for 25 minutes. I'm like, set it for 25 minutes on Facebook and Instagram. And you set it. And then when you get close to it with five minutes to go, it sends you a little warning. Hey, you've only got five minutes left. I thought I'll send it 20, set it at 25 minutes. I'm not going to get anywhere near it. Turns out I was deluded. Turns out this thing is a bigger issue for me than I realized. Because the thing, it popped up and I thought, I've only just opened this. Meanwhile, I've lost 20 minutes of my life. Time is one of the most important resources you've got. You can't ever get it back. Suddenly, 25 minutes have gone. And I'll tell you the truth. I didn't tell this this morning. I'll tell you guys the truth because I I actually trust you more. (laughs) It said, do you want to extend the time? And I was like, yep. It's not an addiction, but I would say. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I realized how quickly my time was being eaten up. When you've got overflow of your time, where is it going? Yeah. Like, are you sowing the overflow of your time into your prayer life? Like, if we want to see the grace of God move in the church, we need everyone in this church really praying. Yeah. Are you sowing the overflow of your prayer life, uh, of your time into your prayer life? Or are you just can't wait for the next episode of Maths? You were totally committed to it. You can't miss an episode, right? And some of you are sitting here today and say, I don't even know what he just said. And you are holier than the people that are laughing right now. You are much holier, right? And if you do watch maths, I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm just saying I feel sorry for you because you're wasting time. You, you, never, you never get it back, right? So, so, so my thing is to you, right? How are you sowing the overflow of your time? It's not just your time. It's your talent. What are you doing with the resources that God has given to you? What are you doing with the wealth that God has given to you? You know what the Bible says? It says, make the best use of your time because the days are evil. That phrase, make the best use of your time, is actually, I think it's one word in, the, in its original language. And what it really means is, is allow yourself to redeem that time. Let God redeem that time for a, for a more holy purpose and for a, for a better use. And I, I, I guess it makes sense to me that we should consider how we're spending our time. What you spend on your time on has probably got a lot to do with what your heart really values. Listen to this. What holds your heart molds your future. What holds your heart molds your future. And I don't think I've seen a better example than the gospel. Because when I read the scriptures, this is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. You know, people that were totally broken. People that have got major 
dysfunction in their life. The drug affected, people are struggling with what they're watching on TV, pornography addiction, all this kind of stuff. And yet, God says, I loved them so much. He loved loved you before you were right with Him. In fact, the way that you come to God, you don't come to Him because you're good. You come to Him because you need help. We should be the least self-righteous people on the planet Earth because all of our righteousness comes from what God has given to us, not because we think we're really good. We should understand the grace of God better than anyone else. It says that when we were sinners, at that point, Romans 5, at that point, He came for us before we were doing anything right. You didn't impress Him. He just loves you. See, the gospel helps me to understand. You know what had His heart? Humanity. What had His heart were people. And He sowed sacrifice so that we could reap forgiveness. So let me ask you this question. What are you sowing into? What are you giving to? What's really got hold of your heart today? Did you, I'm, I'm not into agriculture. It's not my... That's not my deal. It must be obvious because everyone laughs when I said that this morning. Right? But I'm not into agriculture, so you know, I don't understand much about this, but this is what I do, do know, is that when we uh, want to grow something, uh, we plough the land first, and then the seed is sown second. Right? But back in this time, the way that they did it, they did it completely different. See, what people would do is people would just sow the seeds, right? And the plowman would come and he'd see where the seeds are sown. And after the seeds were sown, the plowman would come and plow the land. They do it in reverse order. So the sowing comes first and the plowing comes second. And what's attracting the plowman is where the seed has been sown. My point to you is simply this. Your sowing gets heaven's attention. And maybe what God is looking for is He's looking for you to begin to sow in the right areas and you start sowing and see how God comes and begins to move on the seed that you're beginning to sow. It's a total reversal of the way that we look at it. See, seeds have potential, but you're never going to understand your potential until you start sowing what you've got. You can sow your time, you can sow your talent, and you can sow your treasure That's your seed. And when you sow that, you start to see what's going to be reaped in the future. If you want to see it, you've got to start to sow it. Does that make sense? You want to see the potential of your talent? How far, God, how far could I take this thing? By your grace, how far would you let me go if I was to sow everything that I've got, everything that you've given me? If I give you my talents and I lay down my abilities and I give it to you, how far would you let me go with this? You're never going to know until you start to sow. Because you'll never see it. It won't won't have happened for you. I love sowing. Now, I think one of the best things that you can do, one of the best things I can do is sow into people. And I'm really intentional about this. I love sowing into people. You know, we have this thing that we do at church. We call it the leader's big day out, right? And we get everybody in our ministry team, which is everyone that oversees a ministry department, and they're allowed to invite one person they want to make an investment into. And we get them together. And then we bring in a a great leader and they begin to communicate and, and teach 
uh, strategies and ideas. You know why? I'm investing into leaders because I know it's going to build, build God's kingdom. I think one of the best things you can do is sow into people. See, if you know what you want to grow, it makes it easier for you to know where to sow. Was that confusing? If you know what you want to grow, you know where you need to sow. So you start thinking about it. Hey, what could I see tomorrow if I began to sow into today? Because you'll sow into what you care about most. I read this scripture about the Macedonians and it says, because this is, this is the key to, I think, this is the key to all giving, what I'm about to tell you. Where did they find the ability and the faith to give beyond their means when they didn't have a thing? This is what it says. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. The first thing that the Macedonians did is they gave themselves fully to God. Lord, I'm yours. Everything I have, it's yours. Do with me what you want. I give myself fully to you. You know, upon giving themselves fully to God, they realized how much God wanted them to give themselves to each other. Isn't that how Jesus summarized the law? Love the Lord God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God and love each other. Love God, love people. They gave themselves first to God, realized we should love each other very well. And that, because they gave themselves first to God, it was easy to give out of what would appear to us to be lack and poverty. It was easier for them to give. In fact, they begged for it. They said, you know, Paul, let us please, let us give. We love to give. And he said, okay, you can do it. And they gave beyond their means. It's almost like God met them in that moment and gave them this ability to give beyond their means because no one can give beyond their means except these guys did. You need to give your heart to the one who holds your future. Because if you do that, it will begin to redirect your overflow. It'll redirect your resource. You understand? Come on, I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for some people here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.